Well, good morning, everyone. It's fantastic to be together and to be sharing the word of God with you. And uh, yes, as Steph said, my name is David, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm the lead pastor here at Wellspring Church in Watford. And uh, I get the joy of setting us off on a new series, part of a three-pronged focus we've had here at Wellspring Church. And uh, for those of you who've been journeying from the start of the year or even just join us through our Belonging series, we brought this up, that we are a church that has been dedicated to becoming, sharing this journey of becoming strong in faith, deep in prayer and bold in witness. But here's the thing, as I come and prepare for this final series, which will take us through at least uh, October and November, if I'm real with you, which I am, (laughs) there's a sense of me where, as we've journeyed through this year, strong in faith, yeah, I can get behind that. That's something I I want. Deep in prayer, okay, maybe it will up my game a bit, but actually, yeah, I want that. But then when there's bold in witness... If I'm going to be honest with you, that's the one I feel there could be a bit of apprehension, maybe a bit of discomfort. And I think this is where the Lord really wants to grow us, actually. And I say that not just to point the finger, but as a reflection of myself and how I feel. And therefore, I know it's something the Lord really wants to move me and us in. And I'm, I'm just so privileged to share this adventure with those of you who choose to, to join together as Wellspring to know what it is to become as God has created us and and destined us to be bold in witness. And so with this, I thought to begin, I'd share a story of where I believe we are, a picture of who we are as a church family. Now, one day there was a king and the king gathered his attendants, his officials together And the king said, I want to throw a massive party, a feast, song, dancing, games. You know it. It's going to be great. So I'm going to give each of you invitations to go out and invite people to my home to celebrate with me. And so many, many attendants and officials went out with invitations. One of these many Attendants went out with an invitation, but also took some food samples with them. Oh, love a good food sample, love a good taster. They also went out knowing some of those dance moves from the party, maybe even some of the games. And so as they went out speaking to people, they asked them to try this and that. Taste some of this food, sample some of this juice or wine, if you will. Check out some of the latest dance moves. Look, these are the dance moves we're going to be doing. These are the games we're going to be playing. And as part of that conversation, at some point, the invitation was slipped sneakily in the pocket. Or the official was having such a great time, he forgot to give the invite anyway. That was one of them. The second official who went out to give out invitations kind of went out a bit concerned with how to do it. They approached the door and at that moment was thinking, how do I do this? Do I knock on the door? Do I ring the bell? Do I just put it through the post box? Do I hand it to them? Not only was there fear there, but there was also a concern of what happens if I misrepresent the invitation I'm giving? Or what happens if I am misrepresented by the invitation I'm giving? And there was a concern. There was an unsureness about that invitation being given. 
The third and final official we're going to look at, when they received the invitation, they looked around and they saw the other officials with invitations and they said, oh, they're better suited at that. Oh, they're better at that than I am, than I could ever be. And so they took the invitation and gave it to somebody else. Or worse, ripped some of them up saying, it's not for me. But decided to get in their car and welcome some of the other officials. Come in my car and I'll drive you there so you can give the invitations out. That is my story for today. And I think that is a picture of us as a church family. And I say that because I know I definitely have been all three of those officials. All those who gave out invitations or became invitations. See, the first person to give out invitations kind of did all that social interaction, social help. They gave out the food. They gave out the drink. They helped sample what the kingdom of heaven is like. But then when it came to actually giving the invitation, they didn't deliver it. Or if they did, they did it in such stealth mode that Jesus wasn't even mentioned. It's just because God loves you. I've been there. I know that. The second official, kind of concerned, not feeling ready to give the invitation, not sure what people will think of me if I was to give it, not sure if I'll do a good enough job of representing the king and his party so I could misrepresent him, but even the invitation I give can misrepresent me and then I'll be misunderstood and maybe I'd feel rejected. That's been me. And finally, there's one where for a time, at least in my life, I thought, well, I don't need to do that part. I don't need to give out the invitation. That's not part of my discipleship journey. I don't need to share about the love of Jesus to the point where I'm talking about him, but I can help others do that. I mean, I know I'm really loud, but in my, my own thoughts, there's, surely there's louder people than me that can do it. But even that's a misguided thought. It's not just for the loud people. It's not just for the extroverts. And I feel the Lord is welcoming us back to see for real what is on his heart and to commit to becoming bold in witness. This is just as much as it is for me as it is for everyone sitting in this room. You who have a relationship with Jesus all have the privilege and opportunity of discovering what it is to be bold in witness to to the point that not only are you holding the invitation of God in your hand, but you become the invitation to the world who so dearly needs it. We get to do this over October and November, and I hope you will join me in skilling up in heart levelling up to what God has on his heart for us. And so to do this, we'll begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 14 to 21. And it will come up on the screens as well. And just as you're finding that place, just to give you a bit of context, this letter was written by Paul, who founded the church in Corinth. And uh, you can read about this in actually Acts chapter 18. And unfortunately, since the time he established it, there was many problems going on in Corinth as as it was. But in the church, there were problems too. So much so that there was actually fallout with Paul. And in his second letter, he's basically writing, part of this second letter is about making up, making amends, 
bringing a bit of correction, but actually a reconciliation. And it is on this platform, it is on this note and message that Paul actually brings it about us and the Lord and therefore what we get. So I'm going to read from verse 13, but um, you'll see it from 14. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. So the first point today of three points to be bold in witness, we must experience Jesus' love and forgiveness. Just, just to take the heat off, even in verse 13, you see Paul saying, if we're out of our minds. So look, I, I'm sure some of us, some of my fears has been people thinking, I'm out of my mind, I'm crazy. Well, you're in good company. It happened for Paul and his entourage. I mean, it happened to Jesus. And if we're following Jesus, if we're becoming like Jesus, some people are going to think we're out of our mind. But that's okay, because God is glorified. Verse 13, whatever happens, God is glorified when we're doing it in obedience and following him. Now, verse 14 is key to me. And you'll love this kind of phrase over and over. I preach this message. It says, Jesus Christ's love compels us. Remember what I do when I read a passage, I read what it doesn't say. It doesn't say my love for Christ compels me. It says his love compels me. We cannot witness to something we have not experienced ourselves. So we need to experience the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. You cannot give what you do not already receive. We love because he first loved us. We must experience Jesus' love and forgiveness if we're ever going to be bold in witness. And for many of us, we do and we have. And the joy of salvation is something we look fondly on. My question is, how much do we live in that joy from day to day? You see, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to be our saviour. That's Christ's love and forgiveness. But he also came to be our Lord, 
to be our risen king, which means he reigns, rules and reigns in our daily lives, not just in our hearts and our emotions, but in our behaviours and practices too, every day. And the thing is, we so easily, myself included, make the saving act of Jesus, the saviour aspect of Jesus, the, the love and forgiveness. But I don't associate the love and forgiveness in his lordship. Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and because he is your Lord by saving you, you get to continue living in the joy, the peace, the patience, the wisdom, the the heavenly counsel of Jesus. Not just because he's your saviour, but because day by day you're surrendering unto his will and following his rulership in your life experience his love, experience his forgiveness in his lordship. And this will bring you into a place where you will be bold and witness. It's not just something we reflect on in joy. It's something daily we can reflect on and give praise to our Lord. Experiencing Jesus' love and forgiveness has to be done in the aspect of his character and nature as saviour, but also as Lord. We must experience this message daily, this life daily, if we're going to be bold in witness. You see, after a while of experiencing this, you know, the love and forgiveness, we've talked about it already. We've, We've experienced it. We've partaken of communion together, the forgiveness, but also the new life. Forgiveness for what has been, but this new life of being in Christ, which is in the text. But after a while, we we go from experiencing, receiving, to expressing. This is point two. We get to express Jesus' love through his lordship, you could say, but through transformation, the transforming work of Christ in us, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in us. And somebody who could know more about this than most of us is Paul, the very author. This is very, very personal. So for those of you who don't know, Paul was actually murdering Christians or being the reason for their imprisonment. And Paul was after them. He was even on a journey up to Damascus um, to imprison some Christians, to get them thrown into prison, maybe even to get them executed. And on his way, he has an encounter with the risen Jesus where everything changes in his life to the point now, fast forward, he's planting churches, which means building churches, sharing the faith, sharing about Jesus, convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and spreading the gospel throughout Asia Minor. What a transformation, hunting down Christians to professing Christ crucified and risen. What a transformation before and after. Paul has a new life, but he also has a new way of life. Paul has a new life, which means he has a new lifestyle. In this passage, we see there is extreme change, immense change. I believe in verse 15 and 16, it uses the phrase no longer. So something that was before is no longer. It's left before, before meeting Christ. Then it says, verse 15, in Christ. Verse 16, through Christ. Verse 17, in Christ. New creation. Something new. Just think about this picture for a moment. Think of a, think of a caterpillar. 
Okay. Yeah, so you're laughing, little caterpillars scrolling around. But at some point in its lifespan, it becomes a cocoon. It dies to its old self. It's no longer a caterpillar. But then there's this transformation where out of that cocoon comes a butterfly with wings. Wow, a completely new creation. But not just a new creation, a new creation with new ways, with new wings. How many of you have seen a caterpillar crawl? Standard, right? How many of you have seen a butterfly crawl? Why, why isn't the butterfly crawling? Because Well, maybe some of them do crawl, but the point of it is the butterfly can fly. So why would it revert to crawling? Maybe let's make it a bit more modern for you then. Petrol. Oh, oh, I see. So you have a petrol car and you're queuing for ages for petrol. Some... God bless people have electric cars. And those people, they're not queuing for ages. They're not inconveniencing people. They're not spending their money on an old way of living. They're not living to be filled by petrol. What are they living to be filled by? Electricity. That's what the car needs to run, right? We're not supposed to be filled by what used to fill us in our old life. We're supposed to be filled by what is awaiting us in our new life. And dare I say, it's Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. That's the way. Now, I don't... Yeah, you give the Lord a applause. I cannot give this point enough attention. I do not have enough time, but I love the text, so I've done it for you. Look on the screens for just a moment, before and after. From verse 15 right through 21, Paul has written statements which has a before and after in every part. And it's for him as it is for me, as it is for you. We used to live for ourselves, now we live for Jesus. We used to have a worldly point of view. Hello, think about this in witnessing. Sometimes we think of ourselves witnessing in a worldly point of view and how it's went. But actually, we're given a heavenly point of view. Can I just say with this, actually, a heavenly point of view is a resurrection perspective, which is a new life perspective, which means the old perspective was dead. A dead way and a new way. All right, we're going to move on. Verse 17 talks about old self, new creation. Completely new, renewed. And I understand, yes, we're still in our old, you know, same bodies and stuff. But there will be a day where we're completely revitalised, a complete new creation. But now, in the now and not yet, we have a new spiritual life, a new way of thinking, and the body will catch up one day when Jesus Christ comes again. We had a lifestyle of rejecting God, being away from God, verse 18. But now, what I love, not only are we reconciled to God... The king is asking us to help make an appeal to reconcile others to him. It's what Paul completely went through, rejecting God and his people to now embracing and planting. We were once condemned by sin, but now sin is not counted against us. And let me just say, with the love of God, God's love for us, it's not that he was being mean 
as it may come across when people share about Jesus and not quite understand Jesus. But actually, we are the offenders. We have offended him. Think about this in your daily lives. When you have an offence with somebody, you're waiting for that person who's offended you to make amends, right? Or when it gets serious, you get a third party in. How loving that a holy and perfect God, who is the offended party, would take the initiative to make amends on our behalf. How loving is our God? Holy and perfect, yet gave his one and only son, Jesus, who was perfect in every way, to die on a cross and rise again so that we may taste the benefits, that we may have life with him. What a saviour. In this section, you know, it continues and I don't have time. But actually, the main thing I want to talk about is an ambassador. We get to be Christ's ambassadors. Now, an ambassador today, all the political ambassadors and things like that, I don't want to get entangled with that because it was a bit different when we talk about an ambassador to a king. It wasn't simply training and courses. To be an ambassador in Paul's day meant you sat and you were part of and you lived in the king's court. You lived in the king's presence. So much so that you soaked up what the king was. The king became your identity. You came living for the identity of what the king has is yours. You inherit what the king has. So his vision, you're crazy about. That's what you see. His mission, you're giving everything for it. His principles, his values, the kingdom things that he has, that's yours. And that's something you believe in. You're so convinced by that you want to share it. You want to see it move on. And so this brings me to my third and final point. From experiencing Jesus' love and forgiveness, change takes place that we end up expressing Jesus' love through being transformed. But in that state of being transformed, we get to expect Jesus' love to transform others. And God would even use me and you to do so. Verse 20, it talks about being an ambassador. Verse 20 also talks about God's appeal through you. Now, we who belong to Jesus, that appeal convinced us, right, to live for him, to believe in him and to go after him and all that he has. Or maybe we're on that journey of that. But I wonder in believing in that appeal, we recognise that Jesus is doing that appeal through us. Are we convinced that Jesus's love is being appealed through us? And I think the the thing is about the love side of Jesus, we don't recognise the love has another face behind it. It's the truth. Love and truth together. And so when we think about God's appeal, it's not only love that is appealing through us, it's his truth. It is the truth for everyone. And my challenge in this day in realising is we're quite postmodern, even in our Christianese, in our Christian walk. We think, oh, it's good for us, but maybe it's just not good for them. We make the decision for them. But hold on a second. Is it truth or is it truth? The answer is it's truth. Yes, some of you need to tell yourself that. It is truth. It's not your opinion. We have many good opinions. Some of them may be correct. But what we care about is the truth. Are we convinced by the truth? 
You know, and it can take some time to be convinced. COVID-19. Took a while, right? Our government weren't quick enough. Took a while for them to be convinced. And the effects of it, the difficulties behind it, the pain, the suffering, the agony of what that means to each and every one of us through lockdown. We became convinced that COVID-19 was bad, right? Even if you don't know somebody in your family who's died, you've been affected by it in a way that's moved you, I hope. Millions have died. We're convinced that's bad. Now, there is also another disease since Adam and Eve that has been killing billions of people. I'm just not so sure you're convinced that sin is killing people. It's killing people. Your loved ones are perishing without Christ. And that's the same for me. Not pointing the finger. This is a reality for all of us to carry. Are we convinced by this truth? And if we're convinced by that truth, are we convinced that God is making his appeal through us, through me and you? Ordinary people who've had their lives turned upside down from before and after that God may minister. Are you convinced that the best thing Let's just go with that language. The best thing for your family, the best thing for your children, the best thing for your school, the best thing for your colleagues, the best thing for your strangers walking down that high street, the best thing for this community is experiencing the love and forgiveness of Jesus, which is the truth, not an opinion, not an opinion. Most of you know I love food and a particular food I love is rice. And I have the great job of raising up my two daughters to be convincing to them that rice tastes good. There's so many different ways you can have rice. And yet it's such a challenge. That jollof rice last week, oh my days. Oh my days, thank you Jesus. So I'm trying all sorts of things with my daughters to love the rice. Try a curry soaked one, try the fried one, try the jollof, maybe not the hot one. But you know, they're just opinions. They're just opinions. They can eat other things. Let's not put our opinions in place of truth. The truth will set you free. Nothing else. I pray for us as a church family, as we journey through, I know I'm talking about two, two months worth, but this is as we journey through our lives, but at least as we intensify and really focus on what it means to be bold and witness, that we would be convinced that the Lord will use us, this church, to get people out of death yeah. and into new life. That salvation will come. That we would experience the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus in a new way. That it wouldn't just be a saving work, but it would be a living work. That we would live for him. So the rallying call to you all today is, will you join me? Will you join together as a church family to grow bold in witness? To allow the Holy Spirit to lead to the point where he will shape us differently to maybe we already are. And maybe that is uncomfortable at parts, but would you allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in such a way that when we take hold of the invitation of the gospel of the love and truth of God, that we would be bold in proclaiming it, that we would even ourselves become that very gospel.
Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to say a prayer now and you can join me in this prayer. Don't have to, but it is a commissioning of us as his family that the Lord would lead and guide us to become what is on his heart to become bold in witness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ's love and forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for your love in our lives. Thank you we've tasted and seen that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that your love endures forever, forever, through all things. And so, Lord God, I ask for a fresh anointing, a fresh taste of that love today. May your Holy Spirit come and fall upon us afresh, Lord God, so that it would be Christ's love that compels us, not our own love of you. Father, increase the capacity in this room, in this church family, to hold your love, to carry your love and to dispense that to a thirsty and broken and needing world. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you and we give over especially these next two months of growing bolder and witness. Lord God, would you take hold of us? Holy Spirit, take hold of our very lives that you would shape us, that you would mould us, that you would make us according to the family you desire us to be. Lord God, in heaven, there are angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We want to join with that, Lord, and say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King. Worthy is the Lord of lords and God of gods. Help us to be your family, to be your attendants, to be your ambassadors. And Father, fill us with your spirit that we would blaze a path of eternal glory for your name. In Jesus' mighty name, in the church family say, Amen.